Let it, oh, there's a reading fest. Absolutely. So this poem um, was one that came up in our Advent and Christmas planning retreat, and Becky brought it to us. So I, I thought it was beautiful and perfectly fitting for today. It's called Mimesis by Fadi Judah. My daughter wouldn't hurt a spider that had nested between her bicycle handles. For two weeks, she waited until it left of its own accord. If you tear down the web, I said, it will simply know that this isn't a place to call home and you'd get to go biking. She said, that's how others become refugees, isn't it? Let us pray. God of love, we know that you love even the spiders that make webs between our handlebars. Help us to remember to be gentle with each other and with your creation so that we do not unintentionally create refugees where we need not. In your name we pray. Amen. I really love today's scripture from Isaiah partly because it is a herald predicting the coming of the Messiah from ancient, ancient days, but also because of the rich metaphors within it and how it explains God's work in the world. It opens with, a shoot will spring uh, from the uh, family of Jesse. And so that's the prediction of the Messiah, this lovely image of outgrowth of something shooting up. And then the work of God in the world through the Messiah has all of these most striking and surprising juxtapositions, like the wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard with the goat, the calf and the lion, and a little child will lead them. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the child put its hand in the viper's nest. All of these rich images of what it looks like when peace comes and when the needs of those who are marginalized are met. And then this is the image, one of the images of the kingdom of God from the Old Testament. This is how God works in the world, according to Isaiah. It brings us to a strange peace. And I wanted to lift up the idea of sanctuary a little bit. And I have a personal story first because I feel like our inner sanctuary is what allows us to then offer sanctuary to other people. And I just wanted to share the story of how when after my father died when I was 14 and I watched him suffer, um, it was liver cancer and pancreatic cancer, which many of us know can be particularly hard and causes a lot of pain and suffering. So when I witnessed that at 14, I certainly wondered where God was. And I remember how I questioned, I'd, I'd learned from my father, who had been a priest, that God was a God of love. And at 14, I, I thought, how could a loving God cause this loving man to suffer so much? How does that work? And he was so sick at the time that I couldn't ask him, the person I trusted most of all in the world, to answer questions about God for me. Uh, he couldn't help me answer that question. So at the end of his life, that part that we had shared together that was holy to me, that linked us, that bond, sort of left. It was a little frayed. And so for a lot of my life, because at that time, 
I found it hard to talk about these things. I didn't find an answer till much later in life. And so I had a theology that I had integrated that basically said, yeah, God, God was causing the suffering. And it wasn't until much later that I was able to step out of that and say, oh, God isn't causing my suffering, but God is with me just as he was with my dad in that suffering. But it took a long time, one, to recognize that that was the theology I had in, you know, integrated into myself. And then it took a long time to shift from that belief that God had caused the suffering to a sense of, a real sense, an embodied sense, a visceral sense that God was with me and with my dad at that time. And that happened in seminary, and it, it took a lot of work. But what I learned was that God was a sanctuary. When I felt like God was causing my suffering, I, I was kind of afraid of God. I was angry with God. But when I was able to make that shift, then I was able to find peace or accompaniment or presence. I was able to rest in, in the spirit of God and find a sanctuary in God, but also find a sanctuary in myself. But it was a process, and it took years. It wasn't something I suddenly woke up with one morning, and there it was. It was something that my spiritual director helped me realize. And even now, you know, I still get angry with God when I see injustice or pain or I see people suffering, and I just um, feel it's not right. And when I speak with my spiritual director and I, I tell him that I'm angry with God, he always just says, God can take it. And so even when we are angry, there is still a sense of sanctuary. I, because I can be angry with God in that safe space in my relationship with God. And that gives me a peace. I may still feel angry, but there is a sense of peace that I am still in relationship with the divine, the divine of love. Still in relationship with myself. Still in relationship with the world. And that feels like sanctuary to me. That feels like a place of safety. Because we, if we're not in a place of safety and a place of trust somewhere in our lives, it's very hard to offer that to other people. And I feel like that is sometimes at the root of some of the violence and the uh, displacement that we see in the world. And I love that the little girl in the poem, in the Mimesis poem, she said that for her in that moment, her bicycle handles were the sanctuary for the spider. She wasn't going to evict the spider for now. And there was this, I, I love the wisdom. There was this sense of, it's temporary. Soon I will be able to read my bicycle. Right now I'm going to glory in God's creation and in the life of the spider and be present with it. And it's so beautiful. And, and I use this, since Becky brought it to my attention, as a meditation sometimes when I reflect on my own spiders and how I need to let them be sometimes and give them sanctuary between imaginary handlebars until they're ready to move on of their own accord and shift and change. And having shared that, you know, the need for our own sanctuary, I want to talk about the sanctuary movement a little bit. And I wanted to introduce you to um, the sanctuary church movement. How many of you are familiar with the sanctuary movement in the United Church of Christ? This, I see just a couple hands. It looks like many of you don't know it, so I'm just going to, it's totally worth lifting up. It has been in existence for a long time, and uh, Larry or uh, uh, Ken, if you could bring up the first one, we'll see if it works. It may be, take a moment. And if you could scroll down just a little bit to when you see the words on the screen. There's some words on that, on that image below this image of the woman on the hands. 
Beautiful. So, perfect. So online there is this PDF document created by the United Church of Christ on becoming an immigrant welcoming congregation. And it's a very long document, and we won't go into it right now. I just wanted to point to it to let you know that it exists, that it has been in existence for a long time. And it's one of those ways in which the United Church of Christ bears witness to the state of the world and to the plight of refugees and migrants in our world today. And later down the line, if this is something the congregation would wish to pursue as part of a renewal process, we can totally go there. But uh, I just want to, so, but right now I just want to point that it exists and it's a very important witness we bring. And then, Lyra, if you would go to the next slide, I wanted to introduce you to a friend of mine, Noel Anderson. And Noel works for the United Church of Christ. He is the lead organizer for any kind of immigrant rights uh, activist work within the UCC. He also works for the National Council of Churches in the same capacity. And he and his spirit have led a movement. This is when he was being um, uh, arrested on President's Day in 2014, I believe, so under the Obama administration, when that administration was reaching its record of 2 million deportees uh, since uh, Obama had um, come into his presidency. And that 2 million was equivalent to the 2 million uh, in the 18, so from 1800 to about roughly 2014, 2 million folks had been uh, deported. And then at the beginning of the Obama administration, 2 more million were deported. It was huge. And so this... Uh, Noel and other UCC pastors and ecumenical pastors, uh, many Methodists, were arrested that day uh, during an act of civil obedience, just heightening awareness to this issue and the problem that, as we know, has continued and worsened uh, during this time. And so it was as Noel helped to create that document that I showed about the UCC sanctuary movement, but he uh, also has worked very hard to create spaces of sanctuary within the UCC congregations and other denominations. And it's just uh, that document that I showed unpacks the many ways that we can offer sanctuary from the lowest levels to the highest levels, where sometimes some churches are supporting a, an, um, someone who is facing deportation. And what we know is that churches can't offer legal help but sometimes churches have people live with them and help to support them and give them safe space so they cannot be deported. Uh, before the 2016 election, there were 400 UCC sanctuary churches, and um, I believe there may, there may be other churches in that number. And since then, that number has doubled. There are now 800 uh, because that need has, has increased. And Noel is a completely, is a really special person. He's uh, 30-something, uh, but has been driven by his compassion and by his sense of justice to, to create waves of change and to show up and, and bear witness. And um, maybe someday we could get him to come speak with us. He is here periodically in the Bay Area, so I'll keep an eye out and see if I can get him next time. A really beautiful and wonderful human being. And then, Larry, if you could go to the next slide. I think this is a news article of Noel, and it's just I, just bringing you attention to the headline. UCC's Noel Anderson honored by the National Council of Churches for faithful risk-taking leadership. 
And Noel won an award. Um, this was given in October 14th, so just a, la- a couple of months ago. And he was recognized for his faithful, risk-taking leadership among faith leaders. And he was nominated by, for the award by our general minister, John Dorhauer. And then this is uh, just the announcement of his award for the work that he's doing. And so even if we cannot right now fully participate in this movement, I want to let you know what we are part of. We are part of this movement, and it is no small thing to offer safe space and sanctuary, and as Isaiah said, to bear witness to lifting up those in need and those who are vulnerable. And we are part of a much bigger thing, and how glorious and wonderful to be a part of it and to bear witness to it. As part of this message, I wanted to also lift up not only Becky's poem, but another story that came to light uh, during our Advent and Christmas planning retreat. And it was a story that Ruth, our music and choir director, shared. And as you know, Ruth is part Buddhist and part Jewish and participates in our Christian tradition too. So she's, she's versed, uh, she's uh, a multi-faith individual, and I love the way that Ruth embodies uh, with her gentleness and her spirit. But one of the stories that she shared was a story that she had read of a Buddhist monk, and this was long ago, and I don't remember the full context, but there had been a, a war, uh, there were many people dead on the battlefield, and this monk, who was known locally as a bodhisattva, you know, one of the most enlightened monks, came walking out into the field and just embodied this great sense of peace as he walked and blessed and bore witness. And he was there, it wasn't there necessary to save people, that moment of opportunity had passed, but he was there just to, just to bear witness, to offer love and to walk through this devastation and to just bring love with his presence. And I found that story so powerful. And so I, I wanted to then lift up numbers of immigrants today, there are 272 million international migrants at the moment, and it's 3.5% of the global population. And this, uh, it's, you know, so it's grown by, by one full percent since 2000. So in the last 20 years, that number has grown mightily. And 70 million of those people 70 million are forcibly, um, are, are, have to migrate by, not by choice, but because they have to, to find sanctuary somewhere, in some country, in some place where they can hope for a better quality of life. And 70 million people strikes me as a huge number, more than we or any nation or any church or any one group can fully take in. And so the United Nations and their 2030 aspirations, they're wanting to bring this into focus as a critical part of economic development, sustainable economic development globally. They're trying to explore what policies countries can put in place together to address this issue. And so I bring it up because, again, here is a space of sanctuary. It's imperfect, but people are trying to work on it trying to work on it through compassion and through that peace that 
surpasses understanding. And in just bearing witness to it and acknowledging it by allowing that space of sanctuary in our hearts, knowing that, trusting that we are not abandoned, that God has not abandoned others, but that we can work with God to bring these spaces of sanctuary and bear witness and to support those like Noel who are out there doing the work is really a holy thing, I feel. And that being God's hands and feet in the world, here is a concrete and beautiful and profound example of how we as a denomination are doing this and how we are um, supporting people in their ministry. And I just wanted to lift up that um, Susan will bring up the Christmas fund for your retired UCC pastors later. And, uh, you know, it's a fund that supports pastors who are facing emergency situations. But I, you know, this, the work, for instance, that Noel is doing, the, what we, when we, when we give offerings and when we send it up to the conference or to our um, national body, this is part of the work that we're supporting. We are making God's witness present in the world. We, as we create spaces of sanctuary in ourselves, as we create space in ourselves for a God of love and accompaniment in our lives, we are also making spaces for a God of love and accompaniment in other people's lives, globally speaking, here in the U.S., but globally as well. So we give thanks for this. And I invite us, especially during this Advent season, as we wait, O come, Emmanuel, for the kingdom of God, that we invite those spaces of sanctuary into our hearts and minds and spirits and just sit in those spaces whenever we have a moment to draw breath. In Jesus' name, amen.